0: (laughs) Oh, the Lord is good. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to open up the book of Jeremiah. We'll be in Jeremiah chapter 3 this evening as we uh, continue our work through the book of Jeremiah. Uh, We haven't gone very far, but so far, the the basic premise of the book of Jeremiah, we start in chapter 1 with Jeremiah's call. And if you remember, just uh, by way of reminding... Jeremiah was a contemporary of Josiah. If you remember when Josiah was king, roughly in his early teens, um, a priest working around the temple, cleaning things up, stumbled upon a scroll of the Bible, the Old Testament scroll, and he brought it to Uh, He brought it to Josiah and Josiah read it and discovered, man, we aren't doing the things we're supposed to do. So Josiah led a revival in the land and uh, started a bunch of reforms and just an attempt to see the nation get their eyes back on the Lord and not on all the other things that were going on. The man who found the scroll uh, was probably Jeremiah's father. And Jeremiah and Josiah, they were friends several years later, Josiah decides to go to war against Pharaoh. Uh, It's not a war that God invited him to to take. He just was uh, interested in stopping Pharaoh for some reason. So he went out and Pharaoh, uh, the Lord spoke through Pharaoh and said, if you go to war, you're going to die. Don't do it. And so Josiah, he decided to take off all his kingly robes and put on a soldier's uniform and go to battle. And he was hit by an arrow and he died. And Jeremiah sung at his funeral. So Jeremiah's prophesying really probably starts at the decline of, of Josiah. At the end of Josiah, the southern nation, the nation of Judah, con I say continue or begin. So continues kind of the downward spiral they were, that Josiah was stalling by the revivals uh, that he brought. And now as we see uh, in chapter 2, in chapter 2 of Jeremiah, Jeremiah begins, in talking to Judah, the northern kingdom Israel's already been conquered. They were conquered 100 years ago. So it's time for the southern kingdom to face their judgment. And so, Jeremiah's first prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 2 is, you have forgotten the Lord. You have forgotten. You're, you're leaving the path that Josiah puts you on, and it's bringing you to a place of judgment. And as we look at Jeremiah chapter 3, from Jeremiah, really from chapter 2 to chapter 6, Jeremiah is just going to begin to list out their guilt. Guilt. What, what, what did we do? What do you mean we've forgotten the Lord? How have we forgotten the Lord? So in chapter 3, he's going to focus on the concept that they have failed to repent. So there's this thing that God calls his people to, and, and I'm not sure why people struggle against it, but God wants his people to be people who are quick to repent. It is only pride that stops you from wanting to do that. So if you have done wrong, God would have you repent and be restored. That's the whole thing in Jeremiah chapter 3. Repent. Repent. Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. If you can't say those words, then you are in your sin. (laughs) And you need to be able to. Tell the Lord, "Hey, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry." Now, maybe you can't undo the circumstances you're in. That that is not uh, a predication on your repentance. Sometimes we make choices; they put us in places we can't. We're not. We can't get out of that. I'm in this. Now I'm here. But that doesn't stop us from turning to the Lord and saying, "I have sinned." That's what David did, right? Lord, I have sinned. Now he couldn't he couldn't make the baby go away. Right? There's going to be a baby. He couldn't make the murder go away, could he? Nope. Murder still you're still guilty, right? All those things still happen. But he was still willing to say to God, Forgive me for my sin. I am wrong. And this is what leads. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and the United States of America and everybody else, whoever finds themselves in judgment of God, of the Lord, under his judgment is what leads them all to it. The pride that stops them from repenting, from looking to the Lord. So listen to what he says in chapter 3 as he's talking about this idea. And one of the things that God's getting across in the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 3 is that God's commitment to us is stronger than our commitment to Him. Does anybody doubt that? God's commitment to us. God's more faithful to us than we are to Him. And this is is the point He's making. Look at verse 1. He says, If a man divorces his wife, and she goes from him and becomes another man's wife, will he return to her? Uh Would not the land be greatly polluted? You have played the whore with many lovers, and would you return to me, declares the Lord? So he's talking about an aspect of the law. Under the law, there was something called the writ of divorce. A man was able to give his wife a writ of divorce, and they split up. It's not any different than the way people get divorced today, right? They could have a writ of divorce, but this is what God said. God said... If you get divorced and you marry another, you can't come back. So when you, when you move on, and what's the point? The point is, look, the goal of marriage is not how many promises can I make and break. Do you guys get what I'm saying? The whole con- God's whole concept of marriage. I don't want us to miss this. The whole picture of marriage and why is it such a big deal is because marriage is a picture of the relationship between. Uh, Jesus Christ and the church it's a picture of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son all of these things the unity within the, the triune Godhead it's all about marriage that's why God made it he's the one who created it so he laid it out look if you stand before me this is what God's saying you stand before me and you vow Lord I vow everybody says the vows right? Till death do us part. I have not been in one wedding. I've been doing weddings for 25 years. I haven't seen one not say those words. But I've seen a lot of them not keep them. So God says, look, if you do this, and ultimately Jesus said the reason God gave them that allowance was because of the hardness of their heart, that God's desire is not that any would divorce. But so you, you get rid of divorce, God says, and you go off and you marry someone else. The law, Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, says when a man takes a wife and marries her, and if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, well, in our world and theirs, that usually meant he found some decency in someone else. And he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, and she departs. And if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the latter man hates her, writes her a a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out, or if the latter man dies, who took her to be his wife, her former husband who sent her away may not take her again. So God's point was you, you don't get to make a covenant, break a covenant, and go back and do it again. Covenants matter. Now, why do you think it's like that? How many of God's covenants has he broken? How many times has God promised to provide salvation and then said, well, you know what? I don't like you. You know, this morning, your morning breath was horrible. You're out of here. You burnt my toast. Or, you know, I saw somebody else who loves me more than you do. Does God do that? No. Are there bridges you can't come back from crossing. Are there bells you can ring and not unring? Yeah. And so God is saying, look, listen, this is important because everything we do in life and the law that God has given, everything we do through the law of God is to describe some attribute of God that we need to understand. It's, It's not a little thing to God. It's a big deal. It matters to him. And so, he's saying to the nation in Jeremiah chapter 3, so now this is the comparison. This is why it matters. Are you track with me? This is why it matters. Look, you left, okay. The wife, Israel, left the husband, God, and cheated on him. We all understand that, right? In our world, we, we recognize the, the problems that break relationships, And so God says, now you want to return to me? How often does that work in the real world? Not very many times. Not very many times. You get to come back from that, right? And so the Lord is asking, isn't the land polluted? You realize that that God, because of the pollution of the land, that's what brought judgment on the Canaanites. That's what brought, which was the Israelites getting the land. And then when the Israelites got the land, God said, now look, don't pollute the land like they did. What pollutes the land? When Cain killed Abel, you remember what God said? Abel's blood did what? Cried out to me from where? From the ground. The ground is polluted with innocent blood. In Malachi, when God gives his big... uh, um, God gives his his hatred of divorce. That's what he declares in Malachi. I hate divorce. You know why he says he hates it? Because it covers the earth with blood and tears. The tears of the the wife of your youth, the blood of your children. Who pays the price and all those things? Now, I've. I've been doing this a long time. I have married people and watched them get divorced and go on. And I'm not saying there's not life after we mess up. But what do we do when we mess up? Oh, that's an interesting concept, right? So if I go before the Lord and I say, look, I didn't do nothing wrong. Well, you should read Genesis chapter 3, right? Hey, uh, Adam, what happened? You're supposed to be taking care of Eve. Well, Lord, you wouldn't believe this woman you gave me. Right? Instead, what what would have been a better path for Adam? Forgive me. I failed you. That's okay. Do you know what God does when you do that? He forgives you. You know what He does when you pretend you have not done anything wrong? He brings judgment. You read the newspaper lately? You take a look at our world. I'll tell you right now, we are under judgment. You don't think that the that the blood of the on the ground of the United States is not calling out to God for judgment i I'm not a big Ricky Gervais fan. He's an atheist, so it's hard to say I'm a Ricky Gervais fan. but I gotta admit, I watched his railing on on Hollywood, you know. I watched that, calling out their hypocrisy and, and, you know, is is what it is. But here, I just want you to consider two issues in this last year. Jeffrey Epstein, you heard of that name, right? Okay, that is a vile dude. That everyone in power, please hear me, everyone in power. No, you don't get to take your favorite guy's name off the list. Everyone was on his plane. Everyone went to the island that he filled with sex trafficking. He stole people's kids. And he built an island for people to go sleep with these children, boys and girls. And the Hollywood elite went. And all the politicians went. You got plenty of pictures with Trump with him. You got plenty of pictures with the Clintons with him. He had dirt on them all. And magically, before all that dirt can get flung out, he hung himself. Yeah. If you believe that story, you are a gullible person. What do you think happens when you got dirt on everybody and you get arrested? Yeah, you get visited. That's what happens. Yeah, six foot five, and he hung himself on a four foot tall bunk bed. Yeah, that works really good. But anyway, then you have Harvey Weinstein, right? You guys all paid attention to the Me Too movement. Harvey Weinstein's a dirtbag, he's guilty. He did all the things they said. And all of the Hollywood elite praised him for 20 years. All of them praised him for 20 years you're going to tell me they didn't know? Yes, they did. You don't think the blood on the ground of the United States of America cries out for judgment? And what forestalls judgment? Repentance. Repent. Yeah, because when you repent, you get mercy. And when you don't, well, let's ask Nineveh. Jonah went to Nineveh. Nineveh repented, what did God do? Relented from judgment, they received mercy. Nahum went to Nineveh. What did Nineveh do? No repentance. What happened? Judgment. You don't see Nineveh anymore. Nineveh's gone. So you have the Lord saying to Judah, the blood is crying out. Do you want to come back to me? You you want that? How does that look? You tell me what conversation you would have with your wife or husband if they cheated on you or were unfaithful to you and they wanted to come back they, and, and they don't know talking about it. No, I'm, I was sorry. You, you're not looking for that? That's what we expect from each other. You don't think that's what God wants? I'm sorry, Lord, I was wrong. <laughs> Forgive me. That ought to be quick to our lips. Because you know you. So stop painting yourself like some righteous thing. That's not what God says you are. God says you're a dirt clod. (laughs) Dirt clods are made of dirt. And dirt hurts other dirt we need to be people quick to repent but listen to what this I, I don't want you to just lose sight of this idea and think well if a woman makes a covenant with another man there was no return And in this case that's not what's happened what has happened she didn't make a covenant with another man what'd she do she just slept with a bunch of people which is better I don't know it seems bad any way you look at it right except the fact that she cheated on him with a lot of other men we have a story about that don't we isn't there another prophet in the Bible that God said, Hey, Hosea. And Hosea said, Yeah, Lord. Hosea, will you do whatever I ask you to do? Sure, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Hosea, if I told you you couldn't wear nothing blue again, ever, would you do it? Yeah, Lord, I'll never wear blue again. What do you want? Go marry a prostitute. Uh, What? Yeah, go, go marry a prostitute. I want you to live out the example of what I'm going to do for the nation of Israel. So he marries a prostitute. She has several children. Each child's name is a part of the prophecy of Hosea. And then in Hosea 2.14, I'm just going to read this section of Hosea 2.14. Uh, this is what God is saying. He's, this is what Hosea is going to do for his wife, Gomer. And this is what God says I'm going to do for Israel. So he says, therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor, means trouble, the valley of trouble. I'm going to make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she first came out of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. And no longer will you call me my Baal. You know what Baal means? Baal just means the Lord. Baal, Lord. You're not, you're not going to call me Lord. You're going to call me my husband. Right? There's a, a relationship less built on formalities and more built on love, right? Isn't that how it sounds? I'm going to to wipe the other names of all the other Baals, all the other people you ever called Lord. I'm going to wipe that all out of your mind. Um, I'll wipe it from your mouth. And they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day. Now what is important about God's covenants? Does he keep them? Is that something we ought to do as well? And if we don't keep a covenant, have we sinned? And if we've sinned, what do we do about that? Repent. You guys are getting it. See, I knew you were smarter than the nation of Israel. So, and I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the creeping things on the ground, and I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you to lie down in safety. And I will betroth you to me, what's the next word? Forever. How long is that? Okay, so we understand. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast, mercy, and steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. That's one thing she had never been, right? God says, I'm, I'm going I'm to betroth you to me in faithfulness. So God's saying, I'll be, I'm faithful. Uh And you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they will answer the earth. And the earth will answer the grain and the wine and the oil. And they shall answer Jezreel, one of the kids. And I will sow her for myself in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. That's another one of the children. One of the children was named no mercy. God says, but I'll have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people... That's the third child. You are my people. So he's saying, look, I'm going I'm to redeem all of it. All of them, all of them had n- negative names. Nobody wanted these names. But God's point in naming them that was saying, the day will come when not my people will be my people. When no mercy will receive mercy. And they will say, you are my God. And I, the Lord, w- will say, uh, and I, I, and the Lord said to me, go again and love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Now this is his word to Hosea to go get Gomer. Uh, Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love the cakes of raisins, so I bought her. So when his wife left, she ended up in slavery. Kind of like the island Jeffrey Epstein had. Somebody else owned her, turned her out for favor with men. And Hosea went and bought her back. Yeah, you don't get to keep her. She's mine. So he said, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver. That's half the price of a man gored by an ox. So if a man got gored by an ox, he got 30 pieces of silver. Somebody else got 30 pieces of silver. That Ring a bell? She got half, 15 shekels of silver. So even back then, there was not equal pay. <laughs> 15 shekels of silver, a homer and a letech of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days, and no more will you play the whore or belong to another man, and so also I will be with you. So the life that Hosea lived out was an object lesson to the children of Israel, to the people of Judah, to say, this is how God forgives. This is what what God is offering. But he wants them to know their, their choice to not repent and to continue in sin pollutes the land. And the pollution of the land calls out to God for judgment. So... Uh, in verse 2, he says, lift up your eyes to the bare heights and see. Where have you not been ravished? By the waysides you have sat awaiting lovers. Like an Arab in the wilderness. That word, depending on what translation you have, it's, it's, it's a lot of different ways. But the idea basically is a Bedouin, like a guy waits in the desert for people to pass by. You're like that, only you're not just waiting for people to pass by. You're looking for lovers. You have polluted the land with your vile whoredom. So the land has been polluted. So the question is whether Israel, who has sinned so deeply, can just profess to return. Can they just lightly say, oh, we'll come back. But that's what they're going to do. Look, it says in verse 3, Therefore the showers have been withheld, the spring rain has not come, yet you have the forehead of a whore. You refuse to be ashamed. You ever seen people who don't have no shame? Yeah, if you watch the Golden Globes, you saw at least one. It was crazy. A woman stood in front of the viewing public and proclaimed the glories of abortion, which allowed her to make a movie so she could win an award. Basically, she's saying, I sacrificed my baby so I could become a star. That's not different than what they were doing in the old days. And there was no shame. Round of applause from the room. Woo! Great! That's awesome! We're so glad. There is no shame. There is no shame. There should be shame. Shame would lead us to repentance, right? But there was pleading. Listen to verse. Uh, listen to verse four. Have you not just now called to me, my father? Well, you are our friend from our youth. That's what I'm saying. Is it just uh, lip service? Is that what God wants? Well, let me ask you: Is that what you want when your husband or wife returns? Oh yeah, I'm, I I just took off for a couple of years, but I'm back now. I'm back. That's cool, right? We're, we're we'd all be okay with that. He said in verse 5, the the people are saying, so will he be angry forever? Will he be indignant to the end? Are you going to be mad at me forever? I don't know, you're unfaithful. You're a dirtbag. It's way easier to to understand dirtbaggery if the dirtbag says, forgive me. I was wrong, right? This is how this is supposed to go. Behold, here's what God says. Behold, you have spoken, but you have done all the evil you could. So the the, the attitude of the people is, look, uh, uh, come on, God, don't be mad. But God's like, oh, there's not even something evil you, you haven't done yet. You've done it all. You've committed all the evil you could. And then he talks about the example. You even have the example of the kingdom in the north. You got to watch your sister do the same stuff. You should learn from the example, right? Did you not pay attention to what happened to her? <clears throat> uh, the Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, have you seen what she did, the faithless one? Israel, that's the northern kingdom. Did you see what she did? That faithless one. How she went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the whore. Same language, right? She was faithless. Uh, did you pay attention to her? Did you, did you watch what happened? <clears throat> this is the Lord speaking. And I thought, after she's done all this, she'll return to me. But she did not return. And her uh, treacherous sister Judah saw it. So he calls Israel faithless and Judah treacherous. Because Judah watched it all. Watched everything that the northern kingdom did and the judgment that came on them and God says, "Were you not did you, are you not paying attention? You're doing the same stuff. What's going on? What's happening? She saw that for all the adulteries of that faithless one Israel, I sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear and she too played the whore, did not learn from the example of the northern kingdom and fell into this exact same sin. Because she took her whoredom lightly, she polluted the land, committing adultery with stone and tree. Yet for all this, her treacherous sister, Judah, did not return to me with her whole heart, but in pretense. You hear what God's saying? Oh, come on, God, don't be mad. Why are you mad? Well, I, I, just, had a, I just had a problem for a minute, but I'm okay now all the excuses that we might sell the lord said to me faithless israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous judah so god says northern kingdom that got judged first roughly 150 years before the judgment came to the south god says that one's more righteous because she was first you should have learned you've seen You should have seen what was going on. You should have turned. Now listen, this is what God says to Jeremiah. So go and proclaim these words toward the north. Now there's nobody there anymore. The north is gone. So Jeremiah is proclaiming these things to the kingdom in the south. And then God says, turn toward the north. So Jeremiah is going to prophesy toward the north where Israel was. And he's going to say to Israel, return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. We don't have to be afraid to come before the Lord and admit our guilt. Look what he says in verse 13. This is an important phrase. Only acknowledge your guilt. So God says, I'll be merciful and I'll forgive. Just acknowledge your guilt. Well, I haven't done anything. I didn't do anything wrong. This is the one I hear all the time. Well, everybody else is doing it. Holy cow. What is that? How's that work? we I used to hear that from my children when they were four years old. Now I'm hearing it from 50-year-old men. What? Shouldn't our excuses get better? Everybody else? What's the big deal? Everybody in the church is a sinner. Up. Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. You're right, Everybody is a sinner. And they should all repent too. That doesn't absolve you from it. Acknowledge your guilt before the Lord. What is our guilt? That you rebelled against the Lord your God and scattered your favors among foreigners under every green tree that you have not obeyed my voice. What does it mean to be a whore? What is God saying? It's not about only sexual immorality what is he saying he's saying you have not obeyed my voice are there things that you know god has told you to do and you have not done them let's not talk about the complex ones let's just do the easy ones we don't need to go past those right so what is it that god wants acknowledge your guilt acknowledge your guilt and I will forgive. Acknowledge your guilt. Acknowledge your guilt, the Lord says. Acknowledge it. You have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Why did the Lord hold his anger? Why is he slow to anger? In Isaiah 49, verse 13, it says Sing for joy, O heavens. Exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people, he will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Here's what God says in return. Can a woman forget the nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? And even these, yeah, sometimes women forget. But He says, even these will forget. But God says, I won't. I won't forget you. When God brings judgment, what is the purpose of judgment? To bring what? Repentance. Yeah, trust me, if we get what we deserve, you're not here no more. So he's not giving us what we deserve. God's judgment is God's compassion leading us to repentance. When people are corrected, the Bible says a fool won't receive it. He won't learn, he won't submit, he won't grow, he won't change. The Bible says the wise learns from the stripes on his back. So God is saying, man, I, I won't forget you, but I, he says in the very next verse, in verse 16 of Isaiah 49, Behold, I have engraved you on my palms. What do you think that looks like? How did God write your name on his palm? How did he write it on his hands what, when the nail went through, right? I'm the one that was pounding that nail. That's my sin. That's that's my guilt. So he says, "I have written, I have engraved on the palms of my hands, and you, uh, your walls are continually before me." So God's like, "I don't forget you, but just because I haven't forgotten you, I will also break out the whooping stick." And what's the purpose of the whooping stick? Take your whooping, submit, admit you're wrong. If God's whooping you, I don't don't just stop justifying. Just stop. Uh, yeah, way, just like, you know what? This is what David said. When Nathan busted David in the chops, right? Oh, David, I got to tell you a story. There's a guy, he stole a lamb. This guy only had one lamb. And the guy who stole the lamb, he had a hundred. He could have any lamb he wanted. But he stole the lamb. He didn't, not only did he steal the lamb, he cooked it and fed it to his guests. And David, filled with his indignation, said, We need to kill that dude. And Nathan said, What? You are the man. Do you remember what David did next? Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. I have messed up. Forgive. What did God do? He forgave him. Could David unring the bell? Was there consequences that entered into his family? Was there chaos that came as a result of his choices? Absolutely. All those things are true. Was he forgiven? absolutely was forgiven absolutely was so this is the attitude that we want to have god saying hey acknowledge your guilt there is a call from the lord to repentance there is a requirement of confession and then his comfort verse 14 return O faithless children declares the lord for i am your master i'll take you I'll take you from one city, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. How come it's not everybody in the family? How come it's one here, two there? Because everybody won't repent. Some of us are knuckleheads, stubborn knuckleheads who won't just learn the lesson God's trying to teach us. Learn the lesson. Be quick to say, I have sinned. Teach me, Lord submit to God's judgment God says I promise I'll bring you back verse 15 and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding so he says I'm going to give you good leaders God's judgment in Isaiah was if you don't listen to me I'm going to give you children to lead you Okay, so news flash we are being led by children who have open fights on Twitter. Who act like children. God says, if you don't repent, I will give you children to lead babies, he said. I'm going to give you babies. Who stomp their feet and kick up dust. And, and just in case you think I'm only talking about one side. I'm not only talking about one side. I, don't, I, I get in trouble all the time. I'll probably get another letter. But I'm not a big fan of Politicians. Uh, I don't trust not any of them and uh, all of their pictures were in Jeffrey Epstein's plane not just from our nation everywhere around the world they were all apart everybody yeah they're all crooked God says if you won't repent I'll give you children but if you repent you return to me what's he say I'll give you a shepherd he'll feed you with knowledge that's a picture of a leader who cares about his people, right? Shepherds supposed to care about the sheep, right? I'll give you shepherds. And shepherds, that's, that's what we want, man. We want that, that attitude of the shepherd to come. We want that attitude of a shepherd after God's own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. He says, and when you have multiplied and been fruitful in the land, in those days, declares the Lord, no more will they say the ark of the Lord. How come? What is the Ark of the Lord? Now, yes, the Ark of the Lord is lost. It's, it's gone. No, it ain't in some cave somewhere. No, it's probably not in Ethiopia. It's in heaven. The Bible talks about it. You see the Ark described. That's where I think the Ark is. The, what did the Ark represent? The Ark represents the presence of God giving mercy to his people. So when his people repent and return to him, and he says, no more you are going to have to say, the Ark, the Ark, the Ark. Why? Because he is with them you don't need the ark i'll be there Then so what's the bible tell us when we when we have jesus what's what's the glory he says that you'll never be apart you don't have to go to the temple why don't you have to go to the temple because jesus is right there i don't need a temple he's right there i don't we won't need all those symbols that we have throughout scripture we will have the real says you're not going to say the ark the ark the ark of the covenant of the lord it will not come to mind or be remembered listen to this phrase or missed you're not going to miss it and it will not be made again so don't be looking for another one they're not making one temple institute doesn't have one nobody's making it The lord says it's not going to be made again no more need for symbols of god's presence verse 17 At that time, Jerusalem will be called the throne of the Lord. That's where he'll be. Jerusalem will be the throne of the Lord. All the nations will come to gather to it. So not just Israel who repents, everybody who repents, right? They'll all come to that place. That's how we get in. They'll all come to the throne of the Lord. All the nations will gather to the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem. They will no more stubbornly. This is how we do it. They will no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. Why? Because God's going to give us a new heart, right? And that way, Ezekiel said, The Lord will give you a new heart. He'll take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, soft heart. Take the hard heart out, give you a soft heart. He'll take out that thing that makes us constantly want to run to sin. Our feet are swift to shed innocent blood. And he'll give us a heart that wants him. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. And the Lord said, I will give you the desires of your heart. I will put desires in your heart. You'll desire me. That's pretty That's pretty incredible. This is the, this is the call. This is what they're describing. No more will they stubbornly... Follow their own evil heart. In those days, the house of Judah will join the house of Israel. So he's saying, I know I'm prophesying to the north, but one day there won't be two nations, there'll be one. All the broken pieces of all the broken families all around the world, of the people who stubbornly followed their own selfish desires, all that is going to be one family one day. God puts it all together. For which ones? Those who repent. Repent. It's kind of an important theme in Scripture, right? He said, Together they will come from the land of the north to the land that I gave your fathers. I said, How? How I would set you among my sons and give you a pleasant land, a heritage most beautiful from all the nations, and I thought you would call me my father. And would not turn from following me. That's God speaking. Thought you would call me my father and not turn from following me. Need to trust our father. He goes on. Surely as a treacherous wife leaves her husband. So you have been treacherous to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. So now he's going to rehearse. What, what lessons do you need to learn from this prophecy that, that Jeremiah has laid out? Well, God's desire is to see restoration, right? How does restoration happen? Repentance. Repentance. People repent. Call on the name of the Lord. What's the number one lesson? Number one lesson. Why are we under judgment? Forsaking our Lord. Forsaking like a treacherous wife leaves her husband says, So you have been treacherous to me, O house of Israel, declares the Lord. Number one, lesson to be learned. You are treacherous to me, says the Lord. Number two, <clears throat> Forgetting the Lord. A voice on the bare heights is heard, weeping and pleading of Israel's sons because they have perverted their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. Lesson number two, You have forgotten the Lord your God. This is what Jeremiah wants the people to take from the message he's delivered. Number three, the only hope is not Luke Skywalker <laughs> Luke, you are our only hope I hate that line Luke's not the only hope listen, here's the only hope return, O faithless sons I will heal your faithlessness Okay. This, Jesus said this I can only heal someone who knows they're sick if you don't know you're sick you don't get healed because you don't think you need healed. Was that because the scribes and the Pharisees were pure and perfect? No, you can't be pure and perfect in whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Yeah, that doesn't work. They're sick. They just didn't know it. He says, I'll heal your faithlessness. How does God heal our faithlessness? Then we need to know we are faithless. Forgive us, Lord I will heal your faithlessness. Behold, we come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly the hills are a delusion, the orgies on the mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. They're looking for satisfaction in life everywhere they need not look. And they need to proclaim, it's, our salvation is in the Lord. Not in anything else. Our salvation is in the Lord. The fourth lesson following the Lord the third lesson following the Lord is our only hope. fourth lesson failure to obey is what caused this rebellion. There's no such thing as a white lie or a small failure. It's all rebellion against the Lord, but from our youth, the shameful thing has devoured all for which our fathers labored. The flocks, the herds, sons and daughters, let us lie down in our shame. Let us let our dishonor cover us, for we have sinned against the Lord our God. That's the phrase we got to get to, right? We have sinned. As not the Democrats have sinned. Yes, they have, but so have we. As not the Republicans have sinned. Yes, they have, but so have we. Because while they were doing all their dirty deeds from the top of the mountaintops, we did nothing. We are guilty. We paid for their movies and we laughed at their jokes and we just celebrated all their same debauchery. And we didn't call them to repentance so, our cries should sound like theirs. We have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers from our youth till now, because we did not obey your voice, O oh Lord. God calls us, He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. We all want to know, what sacrifice? Oh, I've I done wrong. I'll give a sacrifice. I'll write a check to the church. I'll give them, you know, 40 bucks this week, or whatever the deal is. And that's there's no sacrifice. God doesn't want it. He doesn't want their sacrifice either, he says. I don't want your sacrifice. Your sacrifice just adds to the blood crying out to the ground for me to judge you. What does he want? Repent and obey. Say, I'm sorry. And then do what you should have done right make the right choices don't give yourself comfort by saying oh everyone's doing it that's what we expect from a child right but we're we're not we're supposed to let go of childish things grow up forgive me lord how many times do i got to ask the lord for forgiveness in a day Well, i don't know how many minutes are in a day I have to ask him often. Does, because I have to ask God often for forgiveness? Does that mean I'm not supposed to try? I don't know what that means. He calls us to holiness, right? Be ye perfect, as our Father in heaven is perfect. I wanna, I want to follow Him. When He calls me, is there something He doesn't want me to obey? No. I want to obey. I want to follow. I want to. Where I'm wrong, I want to submit. Repent. And then when the Lord comes to a place like He comes to Ezekiel and He says, I look to and fro for a man who would stand in the gap. He won't have to say that about us. Because He'll say, I look to and fro and there were men standing in the gap. That'll be a good thing. But the way we get there, not in our pride or our self-righteousness, We get there by being men and women quick to repent. Seek his forgiveness and do better. Well, What if we fail again? You will. Just do it again. He doesn't say, if you ask me for forgiveness too many times, I'm going to stop. That verse is not in the Bible. You honestly seek him? Hey, nobody here probably sinned worse than David. You know, we're probably not too many convicted murderers here probably not too many there's probably a few of there's a few of guys like me so convicted adulterers i could be a convicted murderer as well i i killed two babies because they were in the way so hey there's a there's plenty of guilt but all we do is do what david did father forgive me forgive me i'm sorry and that blood that I poured out on the ground stops crying for judgment. That's what we need. Our world is nutty. There are crazy things going on. We want to see it turn. Uh, it has less to do with an election in 2020 and more to do with men and women willing to hit their knees in repentance. You want to see something different. You want to see something you haven't seen in your lifetime? You've got to be willing to do something you haven't done. What ain't you done? Let's, let's walk that walk. Huh? Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time we can come and study your word. Lord, we thank you for the truth we find in its pages. And I pray, God, that you. Uh, if there's things you need to convict us of, Lord, convict us that we might be men and women quick to hit our knees in repentance. To receive the forgiveness of the Lord, to get up and try again. The Bible declares to us that it is a righteous man who falls seven times in one day and rises again. It's not, the question is not will you fall, the question is will you get up? So God, we come to you looking for that equipping of your Spirit to drive us to repentance, to equip us to stand, to endeavor, to persevere, to see your righteousness expressed in our lives, to be quick to receive correction, to be quick to acknowledge our guilt and If we keep looking outside at everyone else's sin, we never have to look at our own. So may we make our relationship with you right. And as we do, God, may we, your people, humble ourselves and pray. And may you give us mercy for our repentance. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.